Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast, brought to you by Rocket Agency. I'm your host, James Lawrence. Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast. I am here today with Jahan Kalanta. Jahan, welcome to the pod. Thank you, my friend. Good to see you. Excellent. So we were chatting briefly before we started recording, and and I believe that Jahan is the first non-marketer that we've had on the pod. So Jahan was formerly a barrister in New South Wales and is currently a partner at Executive Legal Group, where he heads up the litigation and dispute resolution teams. He's a former TEDx speaker. And I think most relevant to the conversation today, Jahan jumped heavily into TikTok a, a bit over 12 months ago, and he's He's basically become one of the platform's most successful case studies in Australia. He currently has over 300,000 followers. His videos have attracted just under 10 million likes. And so I thought it'd be excellent to have Jahan on to talk about what's worked, what hasn't worked and his journey on the TikTok platform. So Jahan, welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for having me. I will I will uphold for all non-marketers. Of which I don't think we have any listeners. So you're gonna you're gonna have to uh, put on put on your faux marketing hat and um and 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 do us a service. It's um, on. I like it's it. on. For those of you that are that are listening and not watching, he just put a fake hat on. It's um it's a, <laughs> it was excellent. So I, I think Jahan, it'd be um just interesting for the listeners to hear what made you decide to start promoting your business on TikTok. So James, my practice is primarily in New South Wales, even though I have you know little teams everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it really started in 2021 with the lockdown. So we, we had an initial lockdown in 2020 and that was really tough. The courts closed down, a lot of businesses closed down, a lot of, um, there's a lot of uncertainty, but simultaneously the government released some money and, and, and sort of had some, some stuff in place. But in 2021, around June, July, there was another lockdown announced. And my business, 13 staff, I think, uh, over seven figures revenue um, dropped about 90 to 95% overnight because we're a litigation law firm. And if you can't go to a court and argue, well, then there's really, you know, there's really very little you can do to generate income. And understandably, a lot of clients were, you know, concerned about money and we we kind of um, took this step. So it, it it was a really stressful time. And I got into TikTok, not through, you know, it was purely luck. Um, what was happening is uh, at the time, Gladys Berejiklian and her office would bring out these uh, daily updates talking about how many people were getting sick and what was happening. And they would describe the situation in atrociously poor ways. They would not explain anything. There were terms like the singles bubble, LGAs of concern, intimacy bubble, which is different to a singles bubble. And then very and, and, basically, and, and basically, yeah, just nonsense. And I would sit there and rage at the television being like, this is just outlandish. Like, how how can they get away with this nonsense? Like, you know, we need something. So I started making TikToks for for really just for my own um, edification. And because it was, I had nothing to do. And it was, it was a way of me doing what I could, which is like explaining, yo, this is what a singles bubble is. This is what an LJF concern is. And, um, Really, that's sort of how I got started into it. There was no back-end thought around how is this going to help my business or grow. It was purely because I was I was basically stuck in my house and I needed an outlet. Did um did any marketers that you spoke to at the time tell you that it wasn't a good idea and that it wouldn't help you grow the practice? I I I, I recall somebody having a conversation with that effect. <laughs> but to his credit, 
<clears throat> that particular marketer said it, it, it may work, it may just take a long time and that it should be part of a more wholesome marketing mix. The, the, so, yeah, for, for the listeners, Jahan and I are friends and he kind of um, came to me and we're talking marketing advice. And I think I was, I think you're being too kind. I think I said, that's ridiculous. Jahan, TikTok is not going to help you um, <laughs> drive file openings in a legal firm. And, um, and I was wrong. No, no, no. You were very, I don't think you were that, I don't think you were that callow about it. I think you were like, I think you should also look at these other things, which I completely ignored um, <laughs> and uh, have faced no consequences. So really your advice on this one was off. You're, you're, you're a good man, Jahan. So that, that kind of, um, that explains why you got into the platform and, and I guess the early days. What was the journey? Because it's kind of fascinating what happened. So it, it, it's really interesting. I had a couple of pieces of um, canned content that I'd made for other platforms. Um, I'm talking the meta platforms, so Facebook, Instagram, etc. And the acquisition cost of a client on Instagram and Facebook, I'd missed that whole boom. I'd completely missed it. So when I was there, you were paying top dollar for bad eyeballs. Um, and I still think you are on, on, on those platforms, um, particularly in the services space. It is so expensive to differentiate yourself. I would put like $100 behind an ad and get maybe no leads, maybe, you know, 50, 60 views, terrible, terrible return on investment. But on TikTok, I started posting them with just, just posting them. Very simple, me with a camera, this is the situation. And I started to get viewers and I started to get followers. And it was very weird for me because for me on Instagram, to get a, a new follower is like so much work. But on TikTok, I was getting 400, 500 followers in a day. It was crazy. Now, those are from all over the world. There's no verifying their good quality or bad quality. But just to see that you could get eyeballs at scale with the same content that suffered on another platform really inspired me to keep putting energy in. And so at this point, are you putting any money behind the posts or it's all organic? No. Okay. All organic. Yeah. And so this is, when is this? It's kind of July, August 2020. July, I can I can tell you my first TikTok went live July 21st, yeah. 2021. Okay. And I had a thousand by, 20, 20, uh, by July 24th. So in three or four days, I had a thousand followers. Yeah. And, and then what happened after that? Well, um, that's when I realized that what my audience wanted was less stylized content and they wanted stuff that's pretty, like they just kind of wanted like information quickly. So one of the learnings that I've had on my journey is that speed and relevance trumps video quality. For example, when Gladys Berejiklian or, you know, Greg Hunt or one of those politicians made an announcement, the faster that I could explain that announcement in plain English, the better that it would do. It was far better to give a terrible video of me, you know, unshaved and looking dirty, explaining it in like the first hour than it would have been for me to look perfect in front of a camera three days later. Yeah. And so it was really about demystifying the law and kind of explaining those sort of things. And, 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 and really commercialization of this was the last thing from my mind. It was purely, how do I get my information out there and help people? Cause I was, I was stressed out and I'm really, you know, I'm a blessed guy. I've got, you know, a successful business, lovely wife, life is good. If I'm stressing out people who are, who've got real challenges, they're really stressing out. And yeah. I just wanted to see what I could do to ameliorate that. Yeah. And then talk the listeners through what happened, I guess, up until kind of Christmas last year. And then after that, what the explosion has kind of looked like. So it, it, it's really interesting. It's not been linear at all. Um, you know, what will happen is there might be days or weeks where nothing meaningful happens and then you make a piece of content. So for example, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing. I made one about how Squid Game 
if you remember Squid Game, how Squid Game is probably illegal, right? And and it was just, it, it kind of just hit the zeitgeist at the right time and sort of like went, you know, larger. And I kind of tried different things and bits and pieces that sort of um, worked and didn't work. Um, one of the first times I went viral was when I made a video about Gladys Berejiklian resigning. I keep saying Gladys Berejiklian, full name, Gladys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> resigning from uh, resigning from parliament and basically there was an announcement at like 2 p.m i think about you know i'm resigning because you know there's this this and that and there was an icac corruption inquiry in the background so i was at a client who is a um a manufacturing and construction concern and i was like guys can i have two minutes just in one of these and i went into a demountable it was disgusting trash all around me dirty room loud and i made a quick video that basically explained premier's resigning corruption allegations this is how icac works it was the worst shot video like I, I i've tried to track it down it's hideous but it gave the relevant information that people could easily understand the problem and it went viral and then i realized aha so that's what people really want they want information that simplifies things that is just outside of their scope of te- uh, of, of googling yeah and so um i kind of made little pieces of content here and there and I grew a pretty, pretty good organic following to about 70,000, 60,000. I don't know how long that took, but it took a long time because there would be weeks where nothing would happen. And then boom, a piece would go crazy and you'd get all these followers. And it was um, what was really rocket fuel for me was um, explaining with specificity what was happening in the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case. That to me was the moment my content really went global. Um, and it's bizarre. It's I, even explaining it to you now. It's bizarre that a suburban lawyer in Sydney mm. was the authority for many people on litigation in a Virginian case between two Californian actors. <laughs> even saying it out loud, it's ludicrous, right? I get that. I'm I'm 100 aware of the that that me going well on this platform is like winning the lottery and being like, well, you should just invest in lottery tickets. It it, it doesn't work that way. It was it was a lot of luck, but. That was kind of the thing that sh- shot me, I guess, into the stratosphere and really built up, I would say now, a global following. Mm. And like, so I think at the moment you're, you've got about 300,000 followers, pretty, let's call it 10 million likes of your videos. If you get a hit with a piece of content and it does go viral, like how many likes or impressions will that particular TikTok re- like kind of generate roughly? It really depends. So, yeah. for example, recently I had a piece that went viral, which was me. There was this awful case in the US where this poor 17-year-old kid and his friend are having some um, McDonald's in a car. Police officer comes up, says, you know, um, you know, tr- tries to arrest them and then shoots at them. Horrific stuff. That's got about 500,000 views, but mm. it's not li- well, and it's, it's liked, but, you know, it hasn't led to many followers, which is fine. Um, you can't necessarily, th- there's very little link between the piece of content and followers and likes sometimes it's pure um uh it's pure curiosity uh sometimes it's not um and a piece i made about optus being like you know terrible and and how the way they you know what they've done is unacceptable that got me tons of followers but not very many likes mm-hmm. and they were very localized followers because mm-hmm. there were people who were you know freaking out you know I've, they've lost my license they've stolen my data so you can't really say a like is equal to a follower or you can't say that views is going to lead to likes. In fact, it's very, very common for a piece to go viral and that that creator not capitalize on it correctly. Mm, interesting. Um, talk to us about, because I think this is, there's two sides to, I guess, all social media, right? Whether you deem 
TikTok a social media platform or not, but you've kind of got the paid side and you've got the organic side. This conversation is firmly on the organic side. What um what are your learnings? Like what are those TikTok 101s that will help listeners if they are focusing in on trying to build whether it's personally or for their for their brand to kind of to get the reach, to get the likes, to get the following and the engagement. So I've explored with paid as well. And there's a couple of strategies you can use to do that effectively. You you don't want to put paid behind behind copy or content that doesn't do well, because it's just like, well, you're boosting something. The, the most important thing, I think, for short form video content is firstly, it is so new and so different. You can't really ascribe tradition. Well, you, you can use always the same traditional marketing principles, but it's, it's different. It's a new, you know, and the medium informs the message. So when I talk about TikTok, I know TikTok can do 10 minute videos now. I know it can do three minute videos. There is a place for that. YouTube is 10 minute videos and three minute videos. There's other channels that make more sense for it. TikTok is trying to capture the entire spectrum and it very well might. But for now, when I think of TikTok, I think about a five second video, probably do about two minutes. That's really the length that I think people spend on TikTok. And the first and most important message with any social media is it's a microphone. You cannot loud people into caring about what you have to say. If what you're saying is banal or irrelevant or doesn't connect, saying it loud is not going to change that. Same with comedians. You can give a comedian the best microphone in the world. The joke's not funny. The joke's Mm -hmm. not funny. Saying it louder and amplifying that isn't going to work. So People come at it with the wrong perception. They come at it with, how am I going to get followers? How am I going to grow? Don't look at it like that. Say, how do I create amazing content? How do I make the content amazing? And how does it, how do I get this in front of people who want to hear it? And then the followers will, will, will come naturally. The pyramid, most people that I've spoken to who really want to follow fast, the pyramid is inverted. You've got to invert the pyramid. Mm. You've got to think about how do I make amazing content? And I think that's something that brands struggle with, right? Because I think they come at it either rehashing content from other platforms or the nature of the platform is that um, it is different, right? And I think that to put creative has to be presented in a way that it hasn't before and it has to push the envelope of a lot of style guides and tone of voices and some organizations just unwilling to do it. So they come in with this clearly brand first kind of message and it just doesn't resonate, right? I think that's right. So, you know, um, the best example is Instagram. Now, Instagram is trying to become like TikTok by um, putting in reels, which are interest-based. And, you know, you'll, you'll like a cute photo of a Dashian and they know a little bit about you and, and various other bits and pieces. But Instagram is, and, and the, what worked on Instagram was highly stylized pictures, a beautiful picture. In trying to become a video platform, I think it's sort of mixing its message. And it's obviously upsetting for all of those people who've got like 8 million Instagram followers because, you know, that would be devastating to have a, a, you know, a following of that size, but no longer be relevant. And same, I'm sure, with people who've had Facebook pages. But with Instagram, if let's say you sell, um, let's say you sell tanning lotion, you can put your tanning lotion with hunk A, B and C and babe A, B and C, hypothetically. And that's nothing weird about that because people will see, and, and because it's based on your profile, you will get access to hunk A, B, and C's profile and hunk A, B, and C's audience and babe A, B, and C. Forgive the vulgarity, but we're just using simple Hunk one and two are us, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's right. The the 4,000 people who want to see us oil. Um, (laughs) That does not work on TikTok. TikTok, you need one avatar 
that is the brand that speaks with an authentic voice because what TikTok is doing differently is it wants genuine relationships to be created with the creators. It wants an authentic voice that is not buy me, buy me, buy me. I don't talk about my, I don't think I've ever talked about my services, what they cost and what they are on my TikTok. I just, I say, this is, I'm, I give the information away for free and I'm pretty upfront about this. I say, I'll tell you how to do it. If you want me to do it for you, you got to pay. Yeah. But I give the information away for free. And with, with brands and stuff that I see, the only exception being Duolingo who killed it on TikTok because they created a beautiful, irreverent image to go with their, um, to go with their brand. But usually it's garbage. It's mm. just, it's, it's nonsense. It's like, oh, look how fun where we work is. Rah, rah, rah. It doesn't work. It's a good point. We had um, Katie Richardson from Uni Days come on recently to, and the topic was uh, basically marketing to Gen Z. And it was, we kind of got to that point, which was if you're not going to engage properly with that demographic, don't come in at all. Like don't come in and try to overlay content and, and uh, collateral that has worked on other platforms um, and speak in a way that or try to kind of mimic the voice of the generation because they just smell a phony. And I think that's what we're seeing from a TikTok viewpoint, which is if, you, if you're not willing to play the way it needs to be played, just don't, don't engage. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that fully. I mean, I think that's, that's a really good way of putting it, putting it out there. If you're not going to play properly, don't play. Don't come in there. I mean, these are people who have been lied to their entire lives. They've been told myths. And I understand Gen Z's. Gen Z have a, an understandable dislike of the establishment. Hmm. I can understand why. The planet they've been handed is garbage. The economy they've been handed is garbage. And now you're going to tell them that, you know, you're going to sell them the same old slogans. Hmm. Don't do that. Just don't play. Just don't play. Better than like you know. Um, I, I whenever I'm thinking of a piece of content that's gone wrong, the ultimate example to me is the former Prince Andrew giving that 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 um PR speech on on Newsnight where he went on and gave that interview where he said I I don't swear I'm a Pizza Express said all of this nonsense that it's better to say nothing than to go in and do something that will devastate your brand. And a lot of people on TikTok are making this corny content that not only doesn't help them. But people mock it, yeah. and the brand equity drops. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. I think um, we've we've talked about TikTok privately uh, together. I think just interesting for you to talk about how it's based on interests. I think you're you are so knowledgeable on the platform, even though you're technically a lawyer, Jahan. So I think it would be interesting for for listeners just to kind of to hear your perspective on on how the actual algorithm works. So the algorithm itself is beautiful. And um, there was actually, I think, a study done from the University of Basel, if I'm not mistaken, which said that TikTok is so good at predicting what you like, it can actually detect whether or not you, you your sexuality before you do. A lot of users were finding out that they were being served content that, you know, appeals to, um, you know, LGBTQI stuff because they like it. They, and even they are not aware that they like it because of the way they interact with it. So TikTok has something called the For You page, the FYP. And the FYP determines content that's gonna be shown to the masses, kind of like a scrolling TV channel. You've got your following, which is what you'd have on Instagram or something else, but you've got the FYP. And it's based on a whole myriad of things. The ones we know for sure is how long you watch, how you interact with it, and do you share it slash bookmark it slash have something else with it. Now, TikTok is unique. I mean, Reels is similar now, but TikTok was unique and I still think is unique in that it is based on interests, not profile. So let me explain. You can be a nobody creator and make a piece of creative that goes absolutely viral and is seen by millions of people, even though you're a nobody creator. Now, that doesn't mean that they'll follow you. doesn't mean they'll capitalize on it. doesn't mean anything. 
but your content can stand on its own merit. So a, a, a 15 year old who makes a stupid movie has just as much a chance to go viral as someone who's like a film studio putting in a lot of work. That is fundamentally a shift from all other networks, which are, hey, I'm Jahan, you like Jahan, mm. Jahan makes content, here's Jahan's content. Yeah. That is why it's taken the world by storm. It is because of that, anyone can do it and anyone has an equal shot. Obviously, as more people have flooded to the platform, creators, it's harder and harder for your creation to get on the FYP and be shown to the right eyeballs, but it's still so easy compared to Insta, compared to any of those other platforms, which reward, they reward really physical beauty. They do. They reward physical beauty. They reward stylizedness. They reward, I, I guess, the, the highlight reel of your life. TikTok is more like just the, just the everyday existence of it. And I found, I've spoken to a lot of creators and what I've really has been interesting to me as an average looking guy with a good vocabulary is that the amount of beautiful creators that are like, oh, I can't get anywhere on TikTok because they have nothing to offer except mm. their looks has been profoundly interesting to me mm. because it's because there's that many beautiful people on TikTok. Unless you're adding something additional to that, it's very hard to kind of break out. Yeah, the nature of the algorithm kind of rewards relevance, right? Relevance to the end user as opposed yes. to any kind of construct around that. And I think it'd be, for, for those listening, definitely worth checking out um, Jahan's content on TikTok. Jahan, what's the, the handle? Jahan Kalanta Official. And it is interesting. Like a lot of your videos are quite lo-fi, as you've kind of mentioned, and you do shoot them when you're walking on the way to work or late at night when you're at home or when you're when you're at work. And it is that kind of responding quickly to topical things as opposed to um, high production values over stylized. It's very much just about really relevance, isn't it? All I'm trying to do is demystify the complexities of the legal landscape for people. And that's very hard for, I mean, if, you, if you're not a content creator yet, it's okay. But if you were a traditional content creator, your content was I'm beautiful or I'm interesting. Look at how I interact with this context. TikTok's to kind of turn that on its head because like no one, uh, be a, a beautiful person eating a sandwich is not as relevant as say the guy who makes the sandwich who may be gross, but he can explain the sandwich really well. And, and it's, it's really interesting because it's kind of, there's all, look, in every app, there's always a place for arousal and um, attraction in any social media. It's always going to be the case, but the rise of the subject matter expert, the SME in this space has just been amazing because I mean, I'm watching TikTok today and it was like, hi, I've, I'm a fourth generation laundromat owner and I'm going to teach you how to do your laundry because you probably never learned. I was like, yeah, I never did learn. <laughs> why, why do we separate our colors and our loved ones? Well, you know, if you wash with cold water, this is this, this. And I'm just like fascinated by this. Well, like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a hobby, I'm a hobbyist beekeeper. Mm. Let me tell you about how honey's made. These are interesting things. That's what, it's where I wanted to steer the conversation next because I think you've you've obviously changed my perception of how TikTok can be used in a B two B context, right? And B two C and B two B for yourself. But I think there is this misconception out there. Firstly, a TikTok is a platform for kids, and B the TikTok, yeah, maybe it works for B two C brands, but probably only a small subset, and is completely useless for B two B. But I think just to kind of unpack that. We've got, I think there's the really interesting case study of the lolly shop down at Circular Quay that basically relied heavily on tourist trade coming into the store, started doing pretty similar approach to you, just pumping out videos of them making candy or lollies. Um, 
and it just got went completely viral blew up in the states and kind of beautiful kind of um as covid kind of ripped in and locked in uh, lockdowns and border closures kind of killed their retail trade their online e-commerce just completely boomed just by showing the kind of behind the scenes look at how they make confectionery um, but just any i guess other examples around businesses using tiktok to build audiences and eventually the, revenue the- there are so many. It's, I think it's called Sticky's Lolly Shop, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and that's yeah, exactly that's what happened. Um, Sticky's was a, a you know um, a bricks and mortar retailer that relied upon you know tourists coming and 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 actually candy is quite beautiful to watch being made. You know, you you've got the the taffy being pulled and somebody like da 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 and pushing out all the pieces. And I think it was the daughter of the owner was just filming them, putting it up line, and people watched it and thought, that's cool. And then it kind of got into the zeitgeist. Snoop Dogg actually purchased a bunch and, and gave it. Yeah. And that's the really cool thing. It, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but the ability for creators to kind of connect and and, and, and create um, relationships is quite profound. But there's, so, like, there's, there's more than I can tell you about a B2B context. The, to answer the first thing is, Yes, it did start off as a young person's. It definitely started off as a young person's uh, platform. That's no longer the case. I think somewhere like 12% of the world uses TikTok daily. That's crazy if you think about it. Many people that are older, I can't tell you the number of retirees or people in their 50s and 60s who've reached out to our practice saying, I'm getting divorced. Mm. I know you do family law. Can, I, can you help me? You know, it used to be kids getting caught with like a, a little bit of, you know, naughty stuff. Now it's, yeah. it's that. Which is really interesting to me to see that the the, the the thing has exploded a little bit in that direction. And we but, um, we've had TikTok come out to rocket, and um and you look at the demographic change just in the past twelve months. It's kind of, I think it was forty six percent of users twelve months ago were I think maybe eighteen to twenty three or under twenty three, and that number has dropped as you see usage through the higher the the, the upper age demographics move through. So it's definitely not like the data backs up exactly what you've just said. And and it's also for for, for a B two B context like. There is a lot of subject matter experts on there who are like, hey, there's one, the name escapes me, but fundamentally this person sells large machinery to other machinery concerns and talks about just, hey, this is my machinery and this is how it works. It's gone gangbusters. It's gone absolutely gangbusters. Professional services is a a great case study for, for TikTok. And it's because of this. In the office that I occupy in town, there are four other lawyers' practices just like mine. They can all do basically the same thing. We all argue your case. We fix your problem. The difference is the people inside that practice. That is what you can showcase exceptionally well in TikTok if you're prepared to put in the work and create that kind of um, avatar Mm. and, and, and create that sort of relationship. But fundamentally, professional service are professional services. If, if accountant A and accountant B can both fix your books and they, if, in a perfect world, accountant A and B would come up with the same number, right? Um, why pick accountant A over accountant B? Well, if you've got a digital relationship with accountant A, you've seen accountant A help so many people through their problems. You've helped accountant A has been really useful in getting this understanding. You go to accountant A hmm. versus accountant B you know nothing about. And to your point before, it's um, people, every single Australian that earns income lodges a tax return. Every Australian business lodges bass and whatever else and these are things that we're not experts at that it can be difficult to google the problem and if you create content that actually helps people in their day-to-day or solves problems um you're gonna get traction right absolutely and look like i said when i started i mean the, the interesting thing for me for tiktok in my funnel it's 
yes, there's awareness. It helps. Of course, there's a few leads that come in and there. But to me, it's far, far, far more useful in intention and consideration. The difference for me has been back in the day before I was big on TikTok, people would waste my time. They'd make inquiries that wouldn't go anywhere. They, they would say, I'm coming for a meeting and not show up. I haven't had a no-show for the last year hmm. because people are like, I want Jahan. I want to work with him. I know this guy. They formed a relationship with my avatar, which is very similar to me. I, 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 I'm on TikTok about 10% more than I really am. I'm just a hammed up slightly version of myself. But all of this content is real. A little bit more emphasis on certain parts of me, but fundamentally the same. They like that person. They want to work with that person. I imagine that TikTok has driven a ton of people away from our practice who didn't know about it, but they were never going to be the clients we want to work with. Yeah, that's it. So that's been really helpful in that, for me at least, it's clarified who wants to work with us and it's created a really good um, holistic approach to who wants to work with us. And can we talk a little bit about the impact on, I think, you personally, that personal brand of yours, you know, being stopped on the street, um, and then also just how it works in terms of opening up new files and, and new matters for the firm. Yeah, so so it's it's being completely upfront. It's still bizarre to me. Um, I was at a wedding on the weekend. Somebody came up to me and said, "I love your content. Can I get a photo with you?" I'm like, "I'm just some guy." And um, it, it's interesting because as a subject matter expert, I've been a lawyer probably about eight or ten years now about eight before TikTok, seven or eight before TikTok. And like I've toiled in absolute obscurity, you know, running these cases in rural courts or like, you know, filing applications about stuff overseas. No one cares about that whatsoever. They're all sort of interested in what's happened kind of post TikTok. And it's really cool because what I believe I have done is I used to think people just didn't care about the law. And I now realize that was misconceived. People have never had it explained to them in a friendly manner. And what I think we, you know, what I'm doing and what our other legal creators are doing is creating an education piece around here are your rights. Here's how rights work. There's this thing called the constitution. Constitution says this, but the constitution doesn't cover state stuff. State stuff's different. And really kind of simplifying it and giving civics in, in, in little bite-sized chunks. And I think it's incredible. You know, I think it's given people an improved quality of life. And for me personally, it's really nice, particularly around, for me, it's more around young people who've come up and said, hey, Jahan, I never thought I'd be a lawyer because, you know, I have this or I have that. But you talk about how you've got, you know, you've talked about how you've got ADHD and anxiety and you're doing it. And, you know, you've been so open about that. It's really inspired me. That's, I guess, been the really cool part yeah. that just telling my story as I, as if I would to anyone has created, um, I guess, belief that people can live a different life. Yeah. But it has had commercial impact, right? Like you, you kind of talk. Of Absolutely. The, and I think the other interesting thing is often it's the, um, it's the partner of the person that's been done with the traffic violation or the drug possession charge or whatever. I think maybe unpack that for our listeners. Sure. So, so it's funny. My, my audience now skews highly, highly female to male. And I believe that's for a few reasons. One is because my content tends to be salacious in nature and talks really about things like celebrity breakups and stuff, which is more interesting, generally speaking, generally speaking to a female demographic. That being said, I have heaps Enough. of male fans. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. When, when you and I fight. Um, but, but more importantly, I think that as a general proposition, um, there is more interest in understanding how things work from um, women. I, I believe that to be the case. Men just want the problem to go away. I'll pay you, fix it. 
Women, on the other hand, want to understand their options. They want to have things understood in a way that, that makes sense to them. And they may be a little bit more, um, they, they do more research in the buying process. What has happened, when it used to be men, they just called me up, young guys, hey, I got caught, help me. Now it's like, hey, my husband's in more serious trouble. Can you help us? These are the, the factors. And it, you have to create your content in a slightly different tone. There's a different tonality than speaking to a speaking to a 35-year-old professional who might be married to a professional who's in trouble versus that of speaking to a 25-year-old tradesperson yeah. or an 18-year-old tradesperson who's male. The tone has to shift and change. The good thing about TikTok is, I mean, I would love more data, but the data it gives me is sufficient for me to understand sort of sort of how those things work. And in terms of, you know, um, is there more leads? Yes, but is it so, are the leads sufficient to justify the additional workload? They are not. They really are not because there's a lot of extra work you have to do in being a, a, an influencer, particularly mm. if you do the kind of stuff that I do. It really is a lot of work. But for me, it's the consideration piece. It's the fact that people now take me seriously as a subject matter expert. Mm. And it's it's not all finance. I mean, yes, there's a commercial benefit. There definitely is. My accountant has said, hey, your marketing spend went down, but you're, you know, what happened here? And we, we, we pinned down, it was TikTok. It was when I started my TikTok. Not when I started, but like about five or six months since, hey, yeah. something's happening here. Um, I don't know what it is, but it keep doing it. But for me, it's less commercial, but more like I've got to sit at the table now. Like, you know, people, you know, when, when it comes to, to things that are important to me, like, you know, drug policy, when it comes to things like, um, you know, uh, mental health challenges, when it comes to things like refugee and First Nation Australian rights, people actually approach me and go, hey, you talk about this, mm. what do you have to say? That's to me far more useful. Having a platform where I can voice my thoughts and have them taken seriously is profoundly useful. Yeah, and you've built a quite significant personal brand, right? Like we've, we, you've been picked up across lots of mainstream media as a result of being the TikTok lawyer and whatever else. And where that where that goes long term is is kind of not for now. I've got some options, right? And, yeah. and it's pretty cool. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky whenever the press decide to, to indulge me in a story. It's not always good. Like, it's so funny. Um, I, I don't really um, do a lot of redditing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was on, I think, the Daily Mail. And, uh, you know, the amount, I, it was put up on the Daily Mail. And it was like slow news day. Well, this guy, who does he think he is, does like a small, small claims traffic matter. And he thinks he's like, you know, Atticus Finch. Like, the <laughs> proper like malicious attacks that my, you know, my friends in the law all forward to me because they're all jerks. But it, 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 it is just this interesting thing that, you know, you, you start to get a reputation as being that person who's doing that sort of stuff. Sometimes the press misquote you. I've had people like misquote me horribly and it's had bad consequences for me. But it's, I, I take the view that not all publicity is good publicity, but fundamentally every piece of content I make, I think, how is this benefiting someone? Mm. Who am I speaking to? How do I get this in front of the right people? And how am I using it to make someone's life better? Yeah. I'm not in the business of making content for, for anything other than that. Yeah. And you, I mean, you've reached um, literally millions of people, right? And the reality is it's like in the kind of conventional old school media land, it'd be kind of like, you know, <laughs> being on TV and broadcasting it to half the nation. And you, you're going to have segments of the population that um, don't respond well and don't like you and whatever else, right? And that's Absolutely. probably parlays into um, the next kind of area I wanted to go into. We, we've talked about some of the downsides or some of the um, the hurdles that you've had along the way. I think it'd be interesting for listeners because it isn't all just create great content that puts the um, the viewer first and goes viral and suddenly you're inundated with um, 
with work, there are some challenges to, to operating in the TikTok oh, ecosystem. And, <laughs> and so maybe just talk about those for a few minutes. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that the, uh, firstly, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, if I knew how much work it is, I don't know if I would do it again. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, creating evergreen content, coming up with innovative ideas, thinking about things, responding to things, answering messages. Because, you know, you, you, I'm sure maybe there are creators that can. I can't outsource the way that I speak to people or others. You know, if I get a desperate message, hey, Jahan, I'm really stressing out. I'm worried. Help me. Like, I, I feel compelled to call that person back and, like, assist them. Um, you know, if somebody's leaving me, you know, comments, I feel a need to reply to them because they've created a personal relationship with me. Um, and I'm so I'm sure at some stage it will become unruly to do that, but it just it's a ton of work. Yeah. So if you're entering this journey, it's not like I'll post once a day, I'll post five days in a row, and then I've got to make it. Like it's it's going to be work. It's going to be a lot of work. Prepare yourself. Yeah, that's good. And I think the other thing being the penalty system, I think that's kind of makes TikTok a little bit unique there. How that how that kind of operates. So TikTok's, TikTok's got an interesting terms of service and, um, you know, they, they may not like this, but I think it's really arbitrary um, when they give you strikes. Over time, as I've become a bigger creator, it's kind of slowed down a little bit, but certainly in the early days. If somebody reports your content, it's shoot first, ask questions later. So they will just penalize you, shadow ban you, which is um, reduce your access to the For You page, um, stop you from posting for several days, stop you from commenting, stop you from going live um, as a way of saying, don't do this even if it's unjustified. In many cases, it is. Um, there's an appeals process. Sometimes they deal with it incredibly quickly. Other times, I've, I've got an appeal pending from September. Hmm. Crazy, crazy stuff. Like September last year, you know. Um, so it, it's it, if your entire presence is on a single platform and you get deplatformed, you're screwed. Hmm. That's a that's an always a, a worry for me. Like if I get deplatformed, it's over. It's done for me. Um, you know, I don't. I've got like five thousand followers here, five thousand followers there, but compared to the three hundred thousand I have, it's nothing, yeah. right? So, um, the arbitrary nature of it really concerns me, particularly since I'm speaking about controversial topics, which is inherent in the law. Yeah. You know, Brittany Higgins, um, Bruce Levitt case is um, Bruce sorry, Bruce Lerman case is, is is controversial. It's a controversial. There, mm. There's no way to talk about that without it, it potentially offending somebody. There's no way to talk about the uprising in Iran without potentially offending somebody. There is just this, these topics by their very nature are controversial and interesting, and so when you discuss those matters, you always run you're, the risk of going to piss someone off. Do you um are you verified with TikTok? I'm not. So is that a is that a thing that exists in TikTok world? It is. It is. I I, I put in an application. It didn't come back for some reason. I don't know. Yes, yeah. there is. There's the blue tick. I imagine if I get that, I'd feel a lot more secure. But yeah. you know, hey, TikTok. If you listen to this with James Lawrence, <laughs> verify me, baby. We'll see what we can do, Jahan. Um, and do you have as a creator? Do you get access to anybody at TikTok in any way in Australia? Uh, I have a friend who happened to work at TikTok and that was sort of useful. But no, I think, look, I think once you reach a certain, I mean, but then the question becomes at what level? Like I would think 300,000 is a lot yeah. for Australasian. Like I thought that would be enough to have someone give me a call and be like, yo, I'm Jack with TikTok. Yeah. yeah. How can I help you? But, you know, I'm probably small potatoes. You know, people who make got like 47 million followers, right? Mm. Like, you know, you very, maybe I'm a big fish in a small pond, or maybe I'm not even a big fish in a small pond. Mm. So I'm sure at some stage that will happen. I'm not there yet. Mm, interesting. Jahan, it's been a great journey. I mean, to, what's the plan? We're going to continue creating content and building that the following and then the reach within Australia and 
and abroad? I am. I am. I'm going to continue to talk about things that are important to me and that I think are interesting to my audience. And I'm going to keep educating on the law. Um, a couple of things that are going to be really, really cool is I've just opened a consultancy that helps businesses understand TikTok. So if you want to talk about that, reach out. More than happy to help you on your TikTok journey. Um, I'm, I'm preparing some online courses and other materials that I think will be really helpful. And just to kind of make the implicit... Uh, it, explicit you know so um as a non-marketer who's come at it from a different angle it's really interesting because i've got a lawyer's brain working on a what is fundamentally a marketing question yeah and so i've developed i guess a lot of structure that's probably standard in your world but to me it's very foreign yeah so you know how do i get that in enough people's hands because the reality is the world needs more subject matter experts the 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 era of the the era of asinine um banality is past people want people who can explain things and who get things and who are passionate you know it's really this guy talking about laundry today is passionate about mm. laundry that that's contagious man it's contagious to watch this guy talk about hey you know this is how i keep my socks from splitting up by the way you put them in a mesh bag such a simple thing <laughs> you could but, diversify but you know your stream into some laundry stuff as well as the legal Absolutely. Here I am talking about how to launder money. This is about launder, launder. Well, hopefully, we, Kaylee, can rip that as the soundbite that we uh, teach people how to launder, launder. That was good, Jahan. Um, I always uh, so first. I guess first of all, with that, how do people get in contact with you? If in terms of that, the kind of the TikTok side of things. Feel free to reach out to me on um, you can you can reach me at uh, jahan.kalanta at the executive law group. Yeah, um, I'm getting the I've got the agency. I've got to get to some of the. I should probably speak to you about getting some branding and marketing thanks, done. Thanks, for it. I'm glad I'm glad <laughs> um, we came first to mind. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. I hadn't thought about it till now, but seeing you there, possibly part of least resistance. Um, um, Jahan, uh, you can reach to me on any of my socials. I'm pretty good at getting back to you or LinkedIn. Yep. Um, yeah, and, and just to talk about TikTok and how it can help your business grow. That's awesome. Okay, and one last question. I always ask every um, everyone that comes onto the pod this question. What's the one piece of a marketing advice that you'd give to listeners to the pod and uh, happy for it to be general marketing you know, advice or as it pertains to your learnings in TikTok? I think the best piece of marketing is that you have to be authentic and you have to be yourself and you have to speak in your own voice. I'm very lucky in that when people imagine a lawyer, they do imagine someone a little, well, they either imagine someone quite lugubrious, sad, off the snow walls, or they imagine someone quirky, ostentatious, who goes to court and says large words and has a bit of a mustache and has a bit of a personality. I'm very lucky that what I present as to the world is sort of the perception people might have of what lawyers are and do. But that's not deliberate. That's just happens to be who I am. I have found, and this happened when I started my business years and years ago, if you pretend to be something you're not, you may grow, but you're going to grow in the wrong ways and you're going to hate yourself. Just be authentic, like really be authentic. There, there, there's a place for that. You know, If you're a grumpy, miserable jerk, there's a place for that. There's actually probably someone who will find that very endearing, um, but you have to be honest. And what I, I think that particularly Gen Z, millennials, younger generations are so good at is sniffing out dishonesty because they've been served the bum deal so often that they have a finely tuned BS detector mm. and you're never going to get past them. Mm. Good advice. Jahan, thanks so much for um, coming onto the pod, sharing your journey and uh, spending your time with us. Thank you so much for having me, James. Truly a pleasure, man. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. 
you can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.